Hello, this is Todd. This is Kathy. And this is Conversations with People We Love, brought to you by BU Incorporated. On this show, we talk with authors and we talk with teachers, we talk with friends and anybody that has a story to share that can help us open our heart and be more aware of who we are. Hope you enjoy the show. Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio, but this is a special episode, isn't it, sweetie? It, it is. Uh, this is a conversation with somebody we love. Yes. This is our neighbor, Sean Bowen. Sean Bowen, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Sean is a mom who lives right down the block from mm-hmm. us, and we've known you, I don't know, a few years maybe, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And you moved to Elmhurst, and you have uh, a husband named Matt, and you have four Sun, so they kind of balance our female yeah. energy out. We, we got a lot of female energy. Sean, just looking around, do you see all the female energy in our house? It does. Yeah, a lot of dollhouses. We have a lot of cars and yes. blacks. Like That's- this morning, I looked at Matt. I go, "This is kind of our life because Ronnie's now running." Yeah. So it's <laughs> so. Give me the ages of the your four sons. It's crazy. Um, Matthew seven, Patrick six, Grant is four, and Ronnie's one. So I'm sure we're going to talk about your whole family, but what we wanted to focus on was Matthew, who has Down syndrome, and we've been doing the show for three and a half years, mm-hmm. and I just felt like we're big fans of uh, you and you know you went to one of our screenings about a month ago and you just seem like a good advocate for the system and families and parents and I just thought you'd be a good guest to talk about your experience with Matthew and from the beginning to when you found out all the way through how it works with school and everything else so um, I think the best way to start is at the beginning Mm -hmm. which is you're pregnant. All yep. right. And it's your first pregnancy. It was my first pregnancy. Matt and I were living in Buffalo, um, out in the sticks. It was one of my favorite pe- places to live, though. It's mm-hmm. a really cool place. Um, I was a college professor a few days a week. It was like the best nine months of my life. It was. I went for a six-mile walk was every day. I went out for lunch, and it was just really great. It okay. was fun. And how old were you at the time, Sean? 32. 32, okay. I was 32, and then... Um, at the time, my husband was playing for the Buffalo Bills, so we f- he finished his last game, and we jumped in the car and drove to Chicago a week before we had Matthew. Um, and why Chicago? Just out of curiosity. We're both from here. Ah, so like okay. we, we actually had a condo in the city, so we'd come back in the off-season mm-hmm. when we could. Um, so we had Matthew at Evanston Hospital. And he was four days old when he was diagnosed. So Interesting. So, this- so during pregnancy, did you, you know, because there's all those tests that you can yeah. have and you guys consciously said, we don't want to, we're going to just, whatever kid comes is what kid comes. So we don't need to do all those tests. Exactly. We just never, you know, it's not like anything brave. We just were like, nothing would change. Right. So what, why bother? Why bother? Yeah. Okay. And everything like, sometimes they can identify Down syndrome through an ultrasound and you know, just like he is now, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like you just, there was nothing, nothing to see really nothing to see. Yeah. So he was born, he was tiny. Um, he was six pounds, five ounces, which most of our kids are in the eights, mm-hmm. um, to nine. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing like very healthy. He got up on all fours, like during the APGAR scores and mm-hmm. typically kids with down syndrome are, have lower tones. So they don't have that, beginning strength. Mm-hmm. So everything was great. And then they actually did genetic testing without telling us wow. because they weren't sure, but they didn't want to alert us. And, um, 
we were upset that they did it without telling us. But in retrospect, I'm so glad we knew leaving the hospital because we probably would have gone months and months and months without it because he was so so incredibly healthy. So because I'm not real familiar the way you are, when a kid is born with Down syndrome, uh, you know, as they get older, it becomes more obvious that there's something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But when they're born... There's no, there's no difference? No, sometimes you can tell right away. Matthew didn't have like, he didn't necessarily look like he had Down syndrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was just because he was small or, um, you know, his, his, I always say that it's, you know, it's all genetic material. Like it's, you know, we just couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they actually, it was a nurse that saw, um, Oftentimes, kids with Down syndrome will have a semi increase. Mm. So, like on your palms, I don't you have know an what that M. is. Okay, like you have an M. If you look down at your hand, oh, he's moving. Oh. <laughs> if you look down at your hand, um, you can see like kind of like an M. Okay, um, he had one line across. Okay, and so a nurse noticed that, and that kind of alerted her. Alerted her because a like fifth, I think it's fifty or sixty percent of um, people with Down syndrome are born with a heart condition, and he did not have a heart condition. Okay. So, um, so four days goes by, you find out after the kid's four days old, Yes. what is your initial reaction? Um, I think everybody kind of goes into like crisis mode because like the kid that you thought was there is, it's still the same kid, but it's just a totally different set of circumstances are put into your lap. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, I've been fortunate that I've actually taught a lot of individuals with disabilities. So, um, I kind of have seen like an older person with Down syndrome. So like, I think that you can wrap your brain around it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't really take long for everyone to get on board. Um, But I think a lot of it was just, everyone was scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the unknown is scary. Right. Period. (laughs) So was there, I don't know if this is fair, but is there a grieving process? Like you thought I was going to have a quote unquote normal kid. And now the kid has Down syndrome. Was there a grieving process? Or you're like, there's no reason to grieve. He's still who he was the day before I knew he was diagnosed with this? Um, I think like, you know, like we were talking earlier, how Mm -hmm. like everybody plays a role in a family. Like I think when one person's strong, the other person, you know, like I think that's what makes good couples. Right. I never really had a chance to like think anything, but like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Like I had early intervention on the phone before we left the hospital and they were like, well, we'll be there in two months. And I was like, no, you'll be there next week. And Mm. I think like my type A personality shifted into gear and I, I now had a new focus. So like, not to say that I wasn't scared. I was, I was petrified. Um, not because of that he had down syndrome, but because of the unknown, because there's such just like every kid in America, like, or in, in the world, there's such a range um, of issues with every child, with every child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was grateful that his heart was fine, um, you know, and so we went home and, you know, like I would say like probably two weeks into it, we had an awesome priest. Um, I'm not Catholic, but my husband is. And the priest that married us came down, Father Dan favorite person in the world. Um, Father Dan what? Do you remember his uh, last name? Dan Sanders. Okay. Yeah, he's in a church in Milwaukee, but he was the one that married us in Fontana, Wisconsin. Um, I just love him. Like, he dropped everything, drove down, and oh. spent the day with us, and it was cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm, I, I apologize for my ignorance. So there's a spectrum of Down's syndrome or, or like, you know, you always talk about the spectrum of um, autism and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Is there a similar spectrum for Down's or? Yeah. I mean, it's just like every other population, like, you know, like you go into any typical classroom, there's kids that don't read that well. And there's kids that are like reading chapter books. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's, it's, it can be translated straight to Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the great thing that America has come across, like come so far is early intervention does wonders. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and my husband and I both bought into that and I have to give him props because he retired from football, like shortly after Matthew was born because we both decided you have to, let's go for this. This is um, family time. He used to drive like an hour each way to therapy, sit and work in like crazy coffee shops or sit in the car. And it was because like the best therapist was an hour away or the best preschool was an hour away. And we were lucky that he was able to do that. Um, cause we had Patrick a little shy of 11 months later. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then it was like, yeah, I mean, it was, we bought into early intervention and and Matthew, I feel like, is a poster child of early intervention. Like, and explain and explain even more early intervention. You come in, uh, somebody comes in and starts to work with him yep. to make sure that he can develop in the best possible way. That he yes. is getting whatever skills needed. And so, yes. he, how does that look with Matthew? Like, is it with his speech? Is it with his tone? It's, it's everything. Well, Matthew, Matthew, at seven months, had his first seizure. So we had a pretty big setback from like seven months to three years old. Is that typical, a seizure? Well, this type of seizures he had was called infantile spasms. Um, It's in the general population, it's like one in 100,000 kids get it. Um, With Down syndrome, it's like one in 100, and they don't know why. Hmm. Um, But they also like another name, it's called catastrophic epilepsy. I mean, it's like you either get control or you you lose your child. Mm. And I always say that Down syndrome is nothing compared to epilepsy. Like epilepsy is just a beast in its own right. Like in any parent that goes through that is Mm. you earn your stripes and then some. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so does that mean that Matthew has a diagnosis of epilepsy? He's, and we told Sean it yeah, was okay to cry, by the way, everybody, because when you talk about your kids, yeah. it comes out, mm-hmm. man. So I mean, every, every kid. I mean, yeah, it's every just, kid. Um, no, I mean, we were lucky. We had Dr. Kelly. Um, he's now at North Shore, the best person. I mean, just like he would leave town and give us his cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like what neurologist does that? Yeah. Um, he would not give up fighting because Matthew's be- seizures became really difficult to treat. And we ended up getting him on the ketogenic diet, which is like a 90% fat, 10% um, carbohydrates. So like a typical meal would be like three tablespoons of oil, a tablespoon of mayonnaise and a tablespoon of chicken. Oh my God. Interesting. It was crazy. Like it's like Atkins on steroids. Like yeah. it's just, and anybody that's done a low carb, you feel kind of funky, but it, it's actually like goes back to biblical times, like people when they had seizures, because uh, they used to fast to mm. try to like get out of seizure mode and it would work. Um, so it kind of goes on the same principle. And then we exported um, or rather imported uh, a med from Germany. Interesting. So and we were we were very lucky. I mean, I was talking to a woman that I just came into contact with whose daughter's kind of following the same path as Matthew, like very difficult to treat. Um 
and you just go through medication. You titrate yeah. it up to almost toxic, and yeah. then you, okay, this didn't work. Let's titrate it down. And um, we were lucky at close to three years old. We took him off the diet. We took him off the meds, and he is now seizure-free. Mm. Stabilized. Yeah. He was amazing. It, the brain is so amazing, and that's why, like, early intervention is so huge. Um, the brain is so elastic that, especially when you're a kid, that it's growing so fast that he was able to outgrow it. Interesting. So it's like you created his the structure you provided for him and the treatment he had created new neural pathways where yes. the others don't really have an existence anymore. Yes. That's amazing. He's he's amazing. I mean, I just I you know. And we did tons of early intervention during that, but like he didn't even know his name at three, mm -hmm. like could mm -hmm. barely like recall that his name because you get so snowed on epilepsy medication. Yeah. And that's why I say like anyone who knows anyone who has a kid going through that, it's, I mean, give them a hug. How, <laughs> yeah, they need it, right? How many seizures did Matthew have? His got bad. He was having upwards of 200 a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was seizing all day. Like in... Oh my gosh. Patrick, God love that little kid. Like I think that that's he's just such a mellow kid. Um and he's getting a little feisty. With so and, and so you guys know Patrick <laughs> is classmates with Skylar. Yeah, is one of Skylar's buddies. Yeah. yeah. So he's getting feistier, which is welcomed, but right. Um <laughs> but <yeah>. interesting. <laughs> yes. Um but he's yeah, he was five months old and so he would just sit and Matthew would and my sister, Jamie, was amazing. She would swoop in, take Patrick or do whatever. My parents would fly in. My in-laws would fly in because Matthew would just, somebody needed to be sitting with him because he, like, his head would drop and his body would flip over. Mm. Like, and his eyes were shifting nonstop. And, you know. You had to keep him safe. Yeah, you have to keep him safe. And, you know, like I said, we were very fortunate that Matt was starting a new career and he was in grad school and. Matthew spent a lot of time in the hospital, and so when Matt was at DePaul, he'd walk across the street and spend the night with Matthew totally. at Children's. And you Isn't know. it interesting how our lives do that, though? And again, a lot of it's created and decisions, but a lot of it is like, wow, this is so convenient. Yeah. And I feel like those are like universal things where yeah. it's like it, when you are struggling, there are some things that rise up to meet you, yeah. you know, where you're like, I happen to be here. I happen to be going to school here. It's just amazing. Yeah, it really, I mean, it was... It was our life for a long time. And that's why, like, right now I'm just, I think parenting in general is challenging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> but, like, now it's, like, almost, like, not that it's hard, but, like, whenever I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed, I just, I try to think back of, like, where we've been or where we've come oh. from. And it's like, ah, okay. Well, and I want to that's talk just... about that. We talked before we pressed record, uh, the generational stuff, how kids with downs is i mean you would be able to speak about this not me but it seems like it's more widely accepted the kids the classmates seem to embrace it and, and not to say that bad things don't happen but can you speak to that at all well i i think our generation would have been just as compassionate if we were exposed mm -hmm. totally. like i mean i think that that's one thing i can say about elmhurst um you know, like the exposure that these kids are getting at such a young age it's their new normal like mm -hmm. Things that aren't your normal scare people. Right. That's in general. Okay. Like, so I think like people like I'll say, oh, I have a son with Down syndrome. And they're like, oh, and I don't think that they're being mean, but I just think it's a generational thing. Like if you're not exposed, you automatically think of the stereotype that's in your head. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, I'm constantly like, no, 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 it's not a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then they feel kind of silly. And then I like, you know, my heart does stab a little bit when somebody says that because it's your child. Right. But I try. There are times when I'm tired of being the better person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. But I owe it to my son to be the better person. Sure. Like, well, so I think this generation is so lucky to be grown up like. You know, like, it's just like the little things. Like, we first moved here. Not many kids knew Matthew. Like, I think his first year he was invited to one birthday party. Mm -hmm. He's already gone to four this year. Mm -hmm. Like, these kids love him. And it's it's because that's their normal. Like, it's not something to be afraid of. They see him. They see him struggle. And the teachers can now use them to help him. Yeah. So it's like everybody benefits. The kids become leaders. And the Mm -hmm. kids are closer to... You know, in this way, kids are our teachers because they are compassionate. They're not jaded the way we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had um, um, Amy Connell's uh, on and her daughter has Williams. And it's all about that, how the kids are just so wonderful and mm-hmm. they're peers and they love each other. And the kids completely know how to do this as long as we stay out of out the of way. Out of their way. Yes. Because that's the thing is kids, because they're growing up and they're viewing the world, differences don't mean much to them. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because like you said, it's so early that they that everybody looks different, and but everybody's the same. So they don't have that sense of I'm this and you're that. Mm-hmm. They haven't separated out. They haven't separated out. The one thing I will say is that the kids are listening, though. Like kids listen to parents talk. Kids listen to parents talk to other parents more than I think we realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the one thing I would encourage parents to do, like if you don't understand, you know, like Down syndrome, autism, Williams syndrome, like, you know, a child that has been born with some sort of challenge, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I, I guess like try to open a dialogue with your kids, but also like make sure that you're walking the walk when your kids are present because your kids are paying attention and you don't want to like put on your fears onto your kids. Completely. <laughs> so it's like, it's a great, great piece of advice. It's just, I mean, and, and I, we're fortunate, like we lived in the city and we had, you know, I mean, everybody has your fair share. I loved how sometimes anonymous it could be, but I also like we moved to Elmhurst and, this community has embraced Matthew. And I think a lot of it, though, is the parents have embraced Matthew. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and there's a lot of little kids with Down syndrome in Elmhurst. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be like 15 kids mm-hmm. in high school together, which is pretty incredible. But um, I would just encourage parents to make sure that you keep that innocence in kids and identifying the differences among us because... Well, it's the parents are uncomfortable and they don't know how to deal with it. And what we always say on the show is carry your own bags. Don't give your bags to your kids. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good metaphor. Um, but it's weird because when I was a little kid, I didn't have a lot of exposure to kids mm-hmm. with Down syndrome because mm-hmm. of what we just talked about. And I guess my first question is, where were where did all these kids go? I mean, it was I'm, it was before mainstreaming. So yeah. where did, what did they not go to school? Like, I don't they did. They had special schools. They had schools like like I remember um at one of the schools that I student taught, there was like a wing Mm -hmm. for kids with special needs. I mean, and this is not long ago. This is 12 years ago. So I feel like even Matthew is so much better off than even the kids that are in high school now. Like I, I feel like as a society, we have come so far, but in that said, some of the most amazing, wonderful people have kids with down syndrome and they fight for their kids. Like for us, we moved here and we had some bumps when we first came here and, 
I was like, I'm not messing around. I hired an advocate, and we had 40 people at our an IEP meeting. Um, <laughs> That's where I want to go next. I was That's, like yeah. a pit bull. And Matt, my husband, used to say, calm down, calm down. And I'm like, <laughs> no, this is not something. And But now we go to meetings, and there's four people. Yeah. like Because I think that they understand that I am their partner in this. I'm not, like, forcing my kid on you. Like, I want what's best for my kid, and I will demand it, and I will expect it. And I think Elmhurst embraces that. Mm-hmm. Um I have this this totally other beast, you know? Yeah. Well, they have the capability to rise up and help you and meet you. And, but they need to, what you're doing is you are the advocate Yes. and you have to, if we don't speak, then people don't know. Yes. And that's the thing is sometimes you, you know, there's you, you were put into a role of, you know, you needed to be the person who said, I may be the first person you're dealing with Mm -hmm. who, and you were probably not the first, but you, (laughs) you know what I mean? You needed to take it up another notch and you did a favor for a lot of other people. Yeah. But I, it's not just me. People like pioneered it before me. Like, that's why things I think have changed so much is, you know, like Matthew, Matthew has this set of challenges, just like every other kid. Um, you know, but we all want to, give our kids every opportunity to have a full, happy life. And that's the one thing that I think Matthew's happy. Like Mm -hmm. he's not sitting back going, oh, darn it, I have Down syndrome. (laughs) That kid works harder than anyone I know. He's, I mean, a kid's having a bad day. He goes up to them and says, are you okay? Like he just is. He's a lovely boy. He is the coolest, coolest little dude. Like he just is happy. He's compassionate. Like, and I think that's why the kids love him so much. I think mm-hmm. that they understand that he has Down syndrome, but they also are like, you know, this kid like came up to me cause I tripped and he asked me if I was okay. Mm-hmm. Like I sneeze and he says, bless you. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. you know, he says, please. And he says, thank you. Like, he's just a, such an awesome little kid. And he's real. He's you know, so, he's so real, real. Like, and that's, he constantly teaches me and I know everyone in my family, I'm one of seven kids and there's 17 grandkids and wow, there's an entourage of us. And mm-hmm. Matthew's kind of like the center of everyone mm-hmm. because he just, everybody wants to be around him because he is, he's real, he's positive and you're never going to have a bad time with him. Well, he's the warm fire that we all want to get around. Yeah. It's, we could only be so lucky to know somebody like him. Well, that's so, I mean, I, I have a, a memory of a, being in Great America, like when I was eight years old and I saw some kids, kids with Downs and they were so happy and they were laughing so much. I'm like, wow, these kids got it figured out in a way that most of us other people don't. And I don't want to say that all kids with Downs are always happy. But, but you recognize that. I'm glad eight. that you made that point because a lot of people are like, oh, kids with Downs, they're so happy. Matthew gets mad. Right. He gets ticked off as, and I actually love it now because coming from where we've been, I mean, at three years old, he didn't even know his name. Mm-hmm. You know, like he started walking at 34 months and he had like an adult walker with the tennis balls mm-hmm. and we'd make mm-hmm. him walk up and down our block and people would look and wonder, wonder and I mean, he has been through it all, and we push him harder than anyone because um, we just want him to have the best life possible. I mean, he, he goes to therapy every day after school in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, not many kids have to do that. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like most kids get to play and goof around, and he, he does play, but he also has to work so hard, and he gets mad, and he gets frustrated. And, you know, like our speech therapist, Lori Youngren, just awesome woman. 
he gets when he like he's like by Sarah and she's like Laura and he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean he just like yeah you want me to say I that. know and it's funny because every once in a while he'll go bye Laura thank you <coughs> and she's like I got it you know yeah. I mean so like it's every other kid like he has every emotion yeah right um I just feel like he's not clouded with the BS totally if that makes sense like yeah. I just feel like it's real it's just all the things that that those masks that kids start yes. to put on as they yes. get older and adults wear them big time we have all these layers of protection and hiding and that's the that is the beauty part and again that's not to say he won't develop his own masks in certain times sure. again but there it's less yeah you know yes. that's as we were just talking about you know Emerson uh, who uh, our friend Amy's daughter it's the exact same thing it's just like here I am this is who I am. Oh, this is, you know, there's just a very, and kids, every kid, they feel, it's not just they know intellectually, they feel real. So that's why they like being around certain people. That's why when their parents are being inauthentic, it drives them crazy. That's why they feel real. And so when they meet someone who's just like, this is who I am, no mask, it's like you want to just absorb that energy. It's easy. Yes. They don't, it's easy. Like it's, you know, like Matthew has this like, group of kids that just it's amazing to see they just look out for him Mm -hmm. you know and miss baxter i've got to give her props i am just obsessed with that woman she's his second grade teacher now she just you can tell that she is a hundred percent believes that matthew belongs in that classroom and the kids follow the adults vibes right and i feel like you know, like for example, she sent she sent me a picture the other day, and the kids were fighting over who got to read to Matthew <laughs> as their reward. Now Matthew is back to reading. He kind of protested last year, so he was like done, heels in the dirt, like stopped. And it was hard for us, and we just kind of let it ride because we understood that he was making gains in other ways. Um, but he's reading again. But I think a lot of that is, you know, like what an inventive teacher, and it's such a simple thing to have a peer read, so then they read, Mm -hmm. they're getting practice, but then my son gets to see his peer whom he's he views himself as one of the guys. Like so when he sees his peers doing something, just like he sees his brothers, um, he wants to follow suit. Like he wants to do what they're doing. So it's like it's like peer pressure. It's win 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 win. Everybody wins. Yes. Everybody wins. And it's like the first time and I don't want to downplay his past teachers because they were wonderful too. But I think where Matthew's at right now and the relationships that he's made with his peers up to date, he's ready for this. Like I was so nervous at the beginning of the year because a lot of times kids with disabilities have a hard time transitioning. Mm -hmm. Um and I was just gearing up all summer, like, okay, it's gonna be a hard start of the year. It's been so smooth. Mm. Like, we've had two days where he's had to, like, we've had to be told, like, okay, well, he had this to do or Mm -hmm. he didn't do this today. Two days. Mm -hmm. Like, whereas last year, it was, like, every day until, like, mid-October. Yeah. So it's just... You're seeing him being more capable of handling these transitions. And it's partly it's him, but I also feel like I just love Field in the regards that, like, they put ownership on him mm-hmm. and they should. Yes. They should. We do. Like That's we right. expect a lot from him and I want everybody around him to expect a lot with the idea that he does have some limitations and he's working through things. Right. But like I always explain, like I'm rambling on. No, this um, is good. Like Matthew has a speech delay and the only way I can say it, like kids with Down syndrome have lower tone. So imagine like trying to talk with 
like less sensitivity in your mouth. So like say you're cramming your mouth with marshmallows and then you're trying to talk. Mm. Like you have less sensitivity of your mouth. Like that's what that's what he's had to go through. Like or to button buttons or hold a pencil. Like he has lower tone so there's less like feeling. Strength and tone aren't the same thing. It's not feeling, but it's like I guess maybe like the feedback back to his brain yeah. isn't as strong. Yeah. So maybe that's the best way to put it. Like so it's a lot harder for him. Um you know, like everything is just slightly harder. So like, in my opinion, like I admire him more, like he has to work harder, but he does it. Yeah. Like he does it. The things we take for granted, the things we take for granted is working hard. And when he, how does he sleep? Just out of curiosity. He's a great sleeper. But we are pretty, we are kind of sleep Nazis. Like we, our kids are in bed in between 7 and 7.30 every night. Like, mm-hmm. we very rarely go off that. We have our bedtime routine. We do exactly the same thing every night. Yeah. Um, but they like that. Um, they, we have expectations. You're not allowed to leave your bedroom until... This is for every kid, until we come and get you. Yeah. Um, do they share a room? No. Everybody has their own bedroom. Their own space. But I, they we like talked that. about this at the beginning of but the year. But I'm one of seven kids, and... I remember we had empty bedrooms and we'd sleep together, Mm -hmm. but my kids aren't at that stage yet. They've grown up knowing and liking their own space. Mm -hmm. Now in the city, we, they did share, Mm -hmm. but that's a distant. Well, there's something to be said about having four kids in the house. They're always probably on top of each other. They're at school all day on top of each other. I'm a big believer in time alone, meaning I know I need it. So it's kind of a lovely thing that they know at the end of the day, it's just me. Yes. You know? So they don't run into each other's rooms after it's time to go to bed? No. Wow. Mm -hmm. But we, like, but I, like, my, Matt jokingly says that the kids are kind of afraid of me. Like, because I run a really (laughs) tight ship. I expect a lot. And I'm not a perfect parent by any stretch of the imaginations. But I'm very consistent. Like, Matthew was in behavioral therapy for a long time. Um, He was discharged, like, sometime during kindergarten year. But because of Matthew's disability and his health challenges, I realized I learn some bad behaviors as a parent. So when you're getting behavioral therapy, a lot of it is the parents doing, which mm. is kind of interesting. Um, but I took every, like I, I took everything that I learned from the behavioral therapy. Um, like one time we brought behavioral therapy back and the lady was like, okay, I'm just going to come and observe. And I go, okay. And Matthew was doing something and I can't remember exactly what it was. And she look, looked around and she goes, that's your problem. And she was pointing to Grant. She goes, it's not Matthew, it's Grant. Mm. I was like, huh. And Grant is, he's kind of an alpha personality. He is there. He's just big and full of life. And he likes to be number one and he likes the attention. And it was interesting. So like the behavioral therapy makes you look at how you parent. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I've been fortunate that I've had hundreds of hours of behavioral therapy. (laughs) Like it or not, right? (laughs) Like it or not. Um, and so that's kind of how we run it. I mean, not that we don't make tons of mistakes because we do, but I also... Consistency, structure. Consistency, structure, and like once it comes out of your mouth, it, you follow through. So if you can't follow through, don't say it. Like that's like the best rule of parenting I learned. Well, and another rule that we go by is even if Kathy does something I completely disagree with, I have her back in that moment in front of the kids. And then afterwards we'll talk about it. If it's something that if, we were like, ah, right. that's, that's smart. My kids have definitely tried that. Like, well, they'll say to me and Matt, God love them. Cause one of us has to be a, a little bit more of a softy. 
um, they'll be like, hey, dad, can I do this? And he'll be like, I don't care. That's fine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You cannot go to the other. So we have learned. But yeah. I yes. think every parent goes through that. Oh, for we sure. Still do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kids are savvy. Like, and that's, you know, like another plug to, you know, make sure that your kids treat everyone with kindness regardless is kids are savvy of what parents are saying. They pick up on like the little nuances that you do and things that you don't realize. Like if you're gossiping with another parent, your kids are listening. That's right. Um, no doubt. And they pick up so much. And I am not innocent of this, but I definitely try to, you know, like there's certain conversations that shouldn't be happening in front of kids. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it, but like I try not to, but kids listen, well, just like at your behaviors. That's you know? right. That's self awareness and that's consciousness. Yes. What we're always talking about on this show is you have to be aware that they're if they're not understanding every word and they may not be understanding who this person is you're talking about, but they're absorbing the energy of the conversation. Yes. They're getting that you're annoyed at someone or that there's a sense of disdain with someone, and yes. they are that they start to learn that is their behavior. You know, yes. they they oh yes. take that into their life experience. Yes. Um. So I completely agree. So so this is what I want to do, just because we're already 32 minutes in. Okay, um, does it go fast? Does go Two fast. things. Um, there are a lot of parents listen to the show and who whose children don't have Downs, but go to school with kids who do have Downs. And we talked a little bit earlier before we started the show about um, you know how to talk to your kids about dealing with somebody who is quote unquote different. And I will tell you my two cents on that, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I kind of feel like if you say something, then it's already kind of differentiating it and you, that, that I shouldn't like, you know, JC had Max in her class. I didn't say anything about, Oh, how about Max in your class? He's a little different. What do you think of that? Like, should you say something or should you not say anything at all? Like what's the educational experience? Okay. So what we did in kindergarten is I, I made a book, um, and I, they read a book. It was like Isabel's friend, or I can't remember the title. I should know this. this is bad. Um, but the social worker actually did it. She read a book, and then I made a book of Matthew showing all the things that he does that are more similar mm-hmm. than different. Because I feel like the kids do identify with that, and I'd rather have them um, feel open enough to ask questions. Right. You know, like it's it's. I read like this awesome article, um, like "Don't Be Afraid of My Kid," and it was on Facebook, and and it was um, a child that had a, a very distinct disability from appearance sake, and. The parent was like, you know, stop looking and, you know, come and talk to me about my child. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Like, I'd rather have you ask questions. And I think it goes back to education. Like, I always, try, like, I didn't do it this year, but I also feel like his peers they understand Matthew mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. But I did do it first in kindergarten. And basically, I made pictures like, I like to swim or I like to do this. So then it opened up a conversation of like, there are so many, there's kids with disabilities are so much more alike than different. Mm-hmm. Um, in society, I mean, particularly in America and probably even more so in Chicago suburbs, people strive so hard to be same. <laughs> totally. Like, I want to be this like same person and that's human nature. Like I think everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be happy. And all of us strive for that for our kids. Like, um, you know, and I just... I feel like if you open up a dialogue, as long as you feel confident that you can have a dialogue mm-hmm. of what I did as I sent a letter home to the parents at opening questions to me, yeah. um, I, no one ever called and I don't know if they just didn't feel like comfortable right. enough. Um, 
But I think Matthew has sold himself. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like parents in kindergarten, like you go in and you get to like see the kids. And I feel like Matthew, like people understand that he take down syndrome away. He's just a good person. Mm -hmm. And, um, I sometimes stress about my other kids more than I do about Matthew now. Totally. I was just going to ask about that. I was going to say what's a beautiful thing about you having four children is you can really see that with every child, even though, like you said, especially your first three years with Matthew, there was more, you know, the, the, the medical, but that you realize that we're dealing with this in many different ways. Every kid has their challenging times. Like I'm just doing it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Matthew is, I'm so proud of the person that he's becoming. Mm. Like, he just is such a good person. And Mm -hmm. he tries so hard. And we're lucky because we have an awesome team that's, like, working with him. And we have an awesome community. And um, He's got a support system. He works. I mean, I, I kid you not, this kid has to work so hard. However, I do understand that, like, every kid is going to have their tough spot. Like some kids might hit their tough spot in high school. Right. Like some kids might hit their tough spot. Like my mom always says, like little kids, little problems, big kids, big, big problems. People tell us that. Too. You know, like everybody, parenting is hard, period. Especially in today's day and age because you're supposed to be perfect and, you know, like that race to nowhere. Like mm-hmm. it just is mind boggling to me where we've come as a society. Like even I saw this as a teacher, like, it's okay if everybody's not the brightest of bright mm-hmm. because actually average people rule the world. Mm-hmm. You bet. I mean, average, happy people. Like my best friend, um, she's brilliant. She's so smart. It's like almost disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd never like know it because she's so like, whatever. She goes, I just want my kids to be nice. Like yes. I just want them to be good people and nice and all the education is going to fall into place. That's right. And she's got bright kids, but she doesn't focus on that. Like mm-hmm. she just, she's like, I want my son Luke to look at, like, I just want him to like be a good person and mm-hmm. I want him to be happy and I want him to be well adjusted. And I think fundamentally all of us want that for our kids, but you get stuck in the race. You yeah. do. Well, we end up thinking we're supposed to be raising performers. Yeah. If that be performers in education, performers in dance, performers in sports, instead of raising a, a person that you just want to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. We get focused on achievement versus just being a good person. And the reason yes. that we get so focused on making sure our kids excel is because we don't feel good about ourselves. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. And we're and that's but those are the pieces that are very difficult to look at. And we were we I had a group uh, over here last night, we were talking about some of these things. And we were talking about the fact that we, when we say society, when we say society wants this, society dictates this, society is us. Mm-hmm. That's well, it's, inside it's, of it's us. living vicariously through your kid. That's mm-hmm. right. Like, I. That's the one thing I can say, Matt and I, we're pretty happy with how we've lived our lives. Yeah. Like we're pretty happy with our accomplishments. Um, so we've made a really conscious effort to expose our kids to as many things as possible and let them choose. Mm, beautiful. You know, are we making mistakes on the way? Yes. Like Matthew, we were like, I was a soccer player my whole life. I'm like, soccer, yes. I want Matthew to play soccer. He hated it. Yeah. And I made him do it for two years. And then finally, Matt said, he goes, he hates it. Why are we going to make him do this? <laughs> I go, okay. All right. right. So like he's doing no sports right now. Right. Like he has swimming lessons and he has his therapies. But, you know, it's like, you know, like 
last year it was pretty painful to watch one of my kids play basketball. I mean, it was literally like, okay, like, yes. is there a butterfly in the room? Because he's chasing something in the <laughs> abstract air. It was painful. But we kept saying, are you having fun? Yep, I'm having fun. Yeah. All right. We back up. That's right. And then up. it was like, you know, and, and then this year... Um, I love the coach that he had last year. I'm like, he wants to do it again. All right, let's do it. You know, and he's like, yes, absolutely. It was so much fun. And to Matt and I, it was like, oh, my Thank goodness. It was painful. (laughs) We had had some friends who their son was playing baseball, and they said the exact same thing. Like, he couldn't swing. He'd be in the outfield, like, you know, dancing, doing different things. And they would always say, you don't have to play. And he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm having a ball. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I mean, I do feel like that you have to expose your kids. I think that they have to be part of something because I think it it does make more well-rounded person. Right. However, (laughs) it is funny. I mean, I think, you know, but I also like I saw Race to Nowhere like I want to say it was like three or four years ago. Yeah, 2010. And I was seriously like as a parent horrified that I would ever push my kids to the point where they would feel poor about themselves. Like, I don't ever want to be the root of my kids' pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens all the time. Yeah. You know, but we're, we're human. Yeah. We're human. All we can do is do the best we can. But I just, that was a big eye opening for like, I came home and Matt listens to all my crazy ideas all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but it, we both were like, you know what? Like, we're really happy with how our lives are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, each one of our kids are born with their own special gifts. It's just our job to help facilitate yeah. finding those gifts. That's right. That's right. And sometimes that's hard, especially like in a town like Elmhurst where mm-hmm. sports and boys and it's like. Mm-hmm. Get in there. Get, get in there. Early. Who's going to do, you know. Eh, stop. So I have to ask this question because your husband was a professional football player. If your sons wanted to play football, how would he feel about that? Especially after they, the week we had. Do yeah. you know that three high school students died playing football this no. week? They are not going to play football. Right now our argument is high school. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll let them play. Um, not before. But it's hard because, like, Matthew doesn't show any interest. Patrick doesn't show any interest. But Grant, like, goes to bed with a ball, wakes up with a ball. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, you know... He is our I love sports kid. Like mm. he's sad that he's four and he can't do organized sports. Mm. So it's like we're just gonna try to find like flag football is a good alternative. Right. Like it's not tackle, but you know, like football's a it's a mean sport. Yeah, like violent. I it's violent. violent. Like I think it's I give credit to my husband because he like writes poetry. He's a writer. He's a beautiful writer. I mean, he's a sports writer by his trade now, but he's a beautiful writer mm. in general. Um, well, and it's funny with all the Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice stuff and all that. And the people have come out from the woodwork saying, listen, you can't condition us to be violent all the time and then not help us understand how to be anything other than when you leave the practice facility. I agree with that. I mean, Matt grew up. His parents are amazing. Um, Matt was talented from the, like, from the womb. Like, Mm. he just, he's smart, he's athletic. Like, he had an innate talent. Um, He didn't even play football, I think, fifth through eighth grade because he was too big. Mm. Interesting. And then he started, and he was the freshman varsity quarterback. Like, I mean, you either have it or you don't in that regard. But, like, his parents never made him feel like he was the best Mm. or, you know, 
and he also has a strong foundation. So Matt had that to lean on. Right. So when he was done, football was just a piece of him, and he was balanced. Yeah. He and was that's balanced. so beautiful. Football was just a piece of him, and he knew yeah. he had a whole. And all other these life players yeah. think that not all. Most of these players think that this is who I am. This is how I identif- yeah. identify my own value. If I'm not a football player. And these I'm poor kids. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard transition. Oh, when yeah. you're done, and mm-hmm. that's with him being an intelligent, educated yeah. man. Can you imagine? The kid, you know, the college kids who went to this university, or that university, who really didn't pay attention to anything, yeah. anyways. Yeah, mm. yeah. That it's, and they also came from a different set of cards. Like, mm. I mean, not everyone in general, but like a lot of his teammates, you know, came from a broken home right. or this. And I don't want to generalize because that would be, mm. but a lot of kids like dropped out of college. Like, there's a program in the NFL once you retired. They'll pay for three years of education. Well, Matt was the first person to ever use it. Oh they didn't even gosh. know how to reimburse us for tuition. Like, so we were paying the tuition and we were sending it in, and oh, geez. it was being bounced around. But I also think that it's just he he came from a very solid upbringing. Yeah. So it just I goes back to the parents. The parents again. Yeah. Um, a lot of pressure on us. I know, yeah, right. man. <laughs> Um, anything else, sweetie? Well, I have so many things. I, I feel like we, all these things, when Sean showed up, we started talking and we were like, save it for the show. But I feel like this is a really good, I feel like we got around everything. Okay. And um, it, this is just, you're so interesting. Yeah. This was really not, great. Not very <laughs> No, to me, you are very interesting. I enjoyed listening to you very much. So we're going to, I asked Sean what Matthew's favorite song is. So we're going to close the show with that. The one thing I want to say is just make sure that you're kind to everyone. Oh, like, yeah. And don't. Like the one thing, like brothers are brothers and like my kids will fight and this and that. And I always say it is not okay to not be nice to someone. It is not okay. It's not acceptable. It will not happen in my house. And well, and and to put that above getting an A on a test, like kindness is really the foundation for the types of people that we're trying to raise in this crazy world. And if you can do that, that will help you with everything else will fall into place. Yes. And even more important, when you are kind, you reap the benefits internally. Yes. You feel good. So it's not just about the right thing to do. Right. You will feel good being kind. So you are giving your children a gift. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, but yeah, that would be my one thing. Like make sure you, you know, do you want to sing, Sean? No, thank you. If you Matthew was here, he would sing. He would sing it, word for word. <laughs> Let it go, baby. Well, Sean Bowen, thank you very much for being on the show. Yes, it was very informative, very helpful. Yeah, so uh, I don't know when this is going to post, but thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you. Adios. <laughs>